Hallo, wir suchen einen neuen Partner für den KI-Podcast. Bei Interesse einfach bei Robert oder Peter melden. Und jetzt viel Vergnügen beim Zuhören. Hallo liebe Zuhörerinnen und Zuhörer, das ist die Podcast-Folge 118 des Podcastes KI in der Industrie. Ich habe euch eine Kurz-KI-Folge mitgebracht mit dem Alexander Feldmann von Xerox Park aus dem Silicon Valley. Und wer der Alexander ist und was der macht und was der mit KI zu tun hat, das erklärt er euch jetzt am besten selber, denn er stellt sich erstmal vor. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Alex Feldman. Um, so I work in California in Palo Alto and I work for Palo Alto Research Center. This is the uh, research arm of Xerox. Xerox has several research arms. Uh, we, we are the biggest one, I believe, right now. So uh, it's in sunny California. We're about like 200 people, 100 and something researchers. Many of us are working in AI. There are people working in physics. There are people working in mechanics. There are people working in... Uh, all kind of things, like even biology, if you wish. So uh, we do all kind of research for contracts, so to say. Sometimes the uh, people we work for are from internally from Xerox, sometimes they're for, for government, sometimes they're in military, and often they're in all kind of industry. What trends, do? what topics are in the moment in the Silicon Valley when it comes to AI and industries? Well, um, if, if I have to talk like outside of where I work, like Silicon Valley in general, you have the biggest players there who are Facebook sure. and, and, and Google. And uh, they they also have their own industry in in a way. I mean, it, it of course depends how you define industry. Where is the border? Oh, manufacturing industry in this in this case. I mean, you know that actually some of the uh, big AI companies, they also make their own data centers and uh, electronics and, and, and all that. So the uh, optimization of this process is, is, is important and it, it saves a lot of money and it, it's a big impact. So, for example, NVIDIA makes graphics cards and it's a big player in AI and uh, they are like typical Silicon Valley. But, you know, nowadays it's globalization. They are spread all over the world. So it, it's not necessarily like Silicon Valley. So nowadays there is a lot of machine learning in industry. Sure. Uh, for all kinds of applications, everything ranging from security to uh, optimization of processes, and, and you can use like machine learning in many aspects. So, uh, and you you can also, of course, uh, use machine learning to to make better the industry of machine learning much better. So, making all those uh, graphics cards, if you wish, faster and all that. So that that's one thing. Another um, like relatively new, fashionable is not the right thing, but not the right word, but is uh, quantum computing in industry. So, and the uh, connections between quantum computing and optimizations are deep. And, you know, like quantum computers are not gen general computers. They optimize sure. certain problems. How do you use quantum computers to optimize industry processes? And uh, I mean, it's, it's a big topic right now. So that's, uh, you have even companies like Amazon working on that. In Germany, uh, in Europe, we have a big discussion about selling models as a business model. Mm -hmm. We talked with Sepp Hochreiter from University of Linz, and he told us, yes, the new business model is to sell models like GPT-3 for industry, building GPT-3 models for industry. Do you think that this is a topic to building models, to use it faster, to use it easier? Oh, definitely. The uh, building models is, is, is actually huge. So that's uh, we all know that, you know, like when you do some tasks of 
AI in, in industry, you have you need the model, and I mean it doesn't matter if it's going to be manually built or, or learned from a lot of data, but it's it's an extremely costly process to to train you know your model or to 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 manually compose it out of components and all that. I don't think it's so easy just to have like a GPT three like universal model of the whole web, you know, like you crawl all the web, all the text pages, all Wikipedia and stuff, and you try to to build a speech model. So this is probably not going to work in industry because industry everything is custom built, you know. So there are multiple worlds, but you can. So probably it's a better, and there are many people at DX you you talk with uh, who can tell you about component libraries so how you how you build models out of universal components that you connect together and you parameterize and you get the models so trying to build component libraries it's, it's a big deal you know it's, it's going to help a lot and, and there are people i mean actually in my lab there are people working on uh, component models for how things fail so it's, it's not typically you have like a component that let's say have a pump or something like that which which is how it like what's the flow, how it works normally. But when things start failing, you know, you, I don't know what you have, cavitation and falling, all kind of industrial problems, you know, so stuff that, you know, makes things break or, or people die or whatever in, in industry. People are trying to model for those, like all those subtle physical effects, and not only to diagnose, but also prognosticate in the future. You see what's going on. That's going to be a probably multi-billion thing. What is it made difficult to buy models for components? So first of all, there are, I mean, the world is uh, is complex. Uh, physics is, is, is difficult and uh, there are many things. So that's, uh, thanks God, they fail rarely. So it's very difficult to, to, to create components with fault models, which, which, are, which are physically correct. They represent the failing. Uh, so it's super expensive to, I mean, there are many uh, people in Silicon Valley building test labs with tanks, heating tanks and uh, pumps and, 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 and valves. And for example, I'm only talking about one industry, like, uh, let's say, like uh, oil and gas, you know, and, and Silicon Valley is serving the whole industrial world. So you build a test bed. It's very difficult to induce a fault. It's very difficult to think all the possible ways something, you know, can fail. I mean, you know how, how difficult it is to, to fail things. Mm -hmm. So this, this is very expensive, this is very costly, and there are many good people working on that, and I expect a lot in the future from, from there. And think about the environment. I mean, now, now you have also Silicon Valley with Tesla, I believe, flying all around, and nobody knows like, how things work on the moon or Mars or whatever. We have very vague ideas. So how are we going to make things fail in, uh, in, in, in less gravity or like... So, for example, you mentioned pumps. Do you think that the pumps uh, manufacturer will build the models or is it another software company who will build the models? The, uh, perfect, the perfect model builder is the one who makes the uh, device. Mm -hmm. So because in order actually to make something, you need your, your blueprints, your draft, and, and then this corresponds somewhat to a model. Of course, it, it's incomplete. Again, the biggest challenge is to make the model complete and cover all situations and predictive in all situations. And that's where actually our AI methods fail, you know, when you don't think of something and then, then, and then it happens and then, then your prediction models fail. So that, and then you have like in the diagnostic community, you have a false positive or false negative. You have to, to do it again. So we need to invent new AI methods? We have to improve existing AI methods. We have to combine. I mean, actually, I, the way I see it, I mean, from going from conference to conference, is that most of the uh, challenges are covered. But the thing is that, that, you know, like different specialists, they have different algorithms, different modeling approaches, and they only solve like one, one challenge at a time. So we, we're still lacking like a comprehensive framework that solves the whole industrial uh, life cycle, if you wish, something from how the uh, 
device is made to how it's used. And I mean, for example, I'm a big fan of sustainability, you know, and, and AI is big there. Very often we don't think about end of life of, you know, some when you make something in your industrial world, you know, how, how do you dispose of it? How do you demolish it? How do you clean after that? And all this kind of stuff. So that's AI can help here. So do you need to invent new algorithms specialized on new models, on industrial models? Personally, yes. Depending on, on our customer, we have uh, every now and then uh, we, we look at different subsystems, let's say like heating stuff or like uh, refrigeration or... But again, uh, sometimes, I mean, in this AI business and computer science is very good in abstraction. Sometimes you have to talk meta and meta and meta. So you're talking about industry, but what about the industry, industry of building industrial machines? So that's, uh, you may start designing a quantum device, optimizing something for industry, and you may need some diagnostics of the device itself. So that's, uh, I mean, it, it happens to us. And then you may have like cryogenic systems and, and refrigeration there, and the algorithms and the models would be somewhat similar to the ones you use in uh, buildings and, you know, like, or industrial uh, cores or something like that. So that's, this happens all the time. You mentioned that, that the big players are, are working on pumps and building models for pumps, um, but they don't have the domain knowledge. Is it a problem? Yes, it is a, it is a problem, but also, also they can hire and they, they, they cooperate, you know, with universities, with, uh, they have test labs, they... The big players, they, they can easily talk to uh, to the producers of those things. Although sometimes, you know, the producers are focused on actually building more and, and better and selling more. So so sometimes it's difficult to find the right places in, 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 a, in a safe pump manufacturer or valve manufacturer to talk with. And also keep in mind that there is also the cultural thing. So if you are making uh, some devices, uh, it's relatively difficult to start talking about how your devices fail. You, you're going to tell me like my devices never fail. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is your actually topic you are working on in the moment? Right now, I'm, uh, I have two things. Uh, one is I'm actually working on effects of cavitation in pumps right now. So, so that's we're trying to, we have a test bed. We're trying to induce some uh, cavitation effects in valves and pumps. And my job is to use signal processing and adv advanced algorithmics to, to have better prognostic methods that can more accurately predict when the cavitation effect will make the pump stop delivering the desired uh, flow or whatever you are uh, optimizing there. And we're using uh, multiple types of measurements, multiple sensors and, and whatnot. And uh, I also have work on, on uh, security, security and, and diagnostics and, and failing. They are, of course, related. Only in one case, it's deliberate, you know, like the other, in, in the other case, it's an act of uh, nature when something fails. So I'm looking for parallels and, and, and algorithms and, and, and models that can be used in both and approaches that can be used in both uh, failures and, and security attacks. So that's... Uh, Let's, let's stay with the, with the pumps you're working on. Can you describe the process and what you are doing? Sure. So we have, um, we have a lab and uh, I work with uh, wonderful people who know about actually building those pumps and connecting them. And, uh, and then they also provide measurements. So the, the, the first thing is always uh, you collect the data. Sure. And, uh, out you of have the a lot of data? We do. I mean, so we're, we're quite proud, you know, so that's, uh, it's super expensive, you know, we're talking about tens of people working years to, to, to collect data. So it's a big investment from, from our bosses. Once you collect this data, you have to identify the best method to work with that. I mean, one, one of the, what I dislike this uh, metaphor, lowest hanging fruit is, you know, start uh, training something, some, some CNN or whatever is the uh, fashionable abstraction of the day, like, uh, 
And then you you start classifying, you know, nominal versus uh, some, I don't know, cavitation or leakage or whatever you're, you're trying to track. Then you're looking for something, something more powerful, something that you can apply to other uh, systems and so on. So you start, for example, trying to build like a physics-based model. So you take your favorite environment, Python or MATLAB or Mathematica, and uh, you start looking for uh, four models and... Uh, you figure out, you know, you take all your system, not only the pump, you know, you have something else like pipes and valves and, and, and heaters and whatnot. Uh, and you have some medium water or whatever is uh, in the pipes. And, and then you start building, the, writing down those equations and, 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 and plotting and, and seeing if this is what you measured. You have a lot of data to start with, so it's easy to, to compare. And then you keep doing that until you, you end up with a good model. Then you have to Typically, in diagnostics, you have to do some kind of, in prognostics, some kind of parameter tracking. And then you know, there are the standard methods, and they all can be improved. I mean, for example, I mean, you remember this from, from school. You, if you have to track a system, you always throw, like, a common filter first. like, But then common filters, uh, you need a linear model, and, and, and those effects of uh, how things fail, especially in pumps, are very nonlinear. So, so then... The common filter is not going to work there. I mean, it's going to give you a lot of error. So that's uh, then you 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 try something else, some scented filter or particle filter. But particle filters don't scale. You know, like you need like uh, gazillions of particles and all that. And so then you have to start about other methods. So that uh, you can do some model-based residual-based approach. But then the uh, model becomes difficult because because you have to so to say to split the mod the model into into, into sub. Parts, so you so, saw so the whole thing is manageable, but uh, the uh, what the mathematical the mathematical formula split is different. How the uh, physics is split, you know, you cannot uh, you cannot only take the pump without the inlet and the outlet and, and the whole thing, for example. So that's uh, that's quite challenging and it, it, it's a difficult process, but it's kind of interesting. So uh, you keep doing that. You mentioned neural networks. Um, we have a good old-fashioned AI, random forest, and neural networks. How difficult in Germany is there's a discussion? It's very difficult to combine both the good, good old-fashioned AI and neural network. What is your opinion? Is it so complicated to combine both technologies? It is. It is difficult, and um, actually in AI, anything like everything is difficult to combine. <laughs> there are so many interesting algorithms. So, so I mean, I. It's one of the biggest challenges, how to make everything work together. Actually, I want to give you a better example of what's more difficult to combine. If you, if you take the business, you know, of um, discrete event systems, something in programmable logic controllers, you have it all over industry. You, 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 you have thousands of them everywhere. So they're, they're perfectly, um, like, this is the very old thing, you know, you, you model them as state machines. But then every, behind the PLC, what the PLC controls, it's easier to model this as some kind of differential equations or circuits, if you wish, or some combinatorics and all that. And how do you connect, you know, the state machines with all these uh, equations? People have tried to do that. You know, there are all kinds of formalisms which are more advanced, hybrid methods and whatnot. But then all kinds of weird things start happening with the numbers and the variables, you know, I mean, because classical mathematics like all these smooth words with derivatives and everything and then you have all those uh, discrete methods where you, you, you switch from zero to one and all that and uh, then weird things happen like at the boundaries when you start switching you know like uh, small numbers computers you know they run out of precision or, and, and, and so on and you, you have to look very carefully how you combine them and this is where all the research goes and that's why you have conferences like this one and then and, and people talk about how they solve a particular problem I haven't seen a universal solution mm -hmm. 
the, the kind of the same reasoning applies to neural nets and, and, and random forests. Like random forests, it's, it's all about like splitting variables and, and jumping here and there. And, and a neural net is a very elegant, smooth thing. You know, you have your sigmoids and, and your summations and floating point numbers and, and uh, you know, the... Uh, great computer science problems that you can never say if uh, x equals if x is the floating point if something is equal to zero you have to check if it's like x minus epsilon is smaller absolute value is smaller than something so that's because with the floating point numbers things you know uh, so what, what's going to happen is that you're not going to convert you're going to run into numerical problems uh, you're going to get stuck in optima all kind of weird things are going to happen to your model so you're going to get garbage out of your prediction and you have to start it again so that's uh, At the end, I want to ask you, you, you talked about quantum computing, and this will change the whole thing, AI, machine learning, totally, because we do need more new algorithms, we need new processes for doing it. Are you working on it, and what is the future of this? Yes, so uh, if quantum computing works, uh, that, you know, like, uh, we don't know, I mean, probably nobody knows, and I believe so, that, that it's going to work one day. First of all, AI, like, both in industry and, and outside, like in, in, in other areas, is actually applied optimization to real-world problems. So most algorithms are trying to optimize something. Even decision-making can be thought of as a type of optimization. You can use optimization for decision-making in the other way around. Quantum computing is going to be the universal optimizer. So imagine what if you can optimize all your processes, logistics, manufacturing, uh, Uh, imagine that you are able to answer what's the theoretical optimization maximum of how uh, how fast computers can be manufactured or uh, how much energy like in industry super important aspect what is the most the most efficient from the energy standpoint process of making something so that's uh, maybe we're going to to, to discover some, some so cheap sources of energy that we're going to solve the problems you know like of pollution or whatever where do you see the most impressive research when you're looking around the world Oh, it's everywhere is happening a lot, a lot of good work. I'm, I'm super glad that people are, and industry and companies are spending that. So it's uh, when it comes to AI, I mean, you, you cannot miss all the autopilots and, and, and space and autonomy. And uh, I believe in a better future. It's, it's also an industry where the dirtiest and, and the most dangerous jobs will be will be performed by robots. So, so this, is, this is amazing. People will be... Uh, creative and, and inventing, you know, like solutions to problems like that are dangerous, like how, how, how to make things nice and fast and, 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 and safe. And uh, so that, that's quite awesome. And uh, there are also many, many things outside of industry, you know, like uh, people are answering mathematics and, and physics and space and, and biology and, and medicine is improving a lot. And like there is also like industry for, for medical appliances. And it's kind of actually the most rewarding thing is like when you can apply something from pumps to industry for example i i didn't know be before i started working that cavitation in pumps which you know from industry is a very dangerous effect you can use it for cleaning in medicine and i also didn't know that you can use it like in some micro i still don't know details and i'm very interested to read you can use it for cancer therapy drug delivery like in in tissues and all that so maybe one day we'll be using like diagnostic methods from control methods from from industry also to help medicine and the other way around so that's that's going to be quite awesome so you're now based in the silicon valley you have a lot of connections to europe what about china is it a black box what they are doing what they are researching on unfortunately i i, I haven't uh, i don't have many friends in, in i haven't been a lot to china at universities i mean uh, they, they're growing great and uh, 
I'm somewhat concerned about the how they're using AI, for example, in, by state for tracking people or something like that. So there is, it's super important, you know, like ethics in AI and in industry is double important when things are dangerous. So the answer is I don't know about China and uh, US and Europe. I mean, I, I'm from Europe. I was born in Bulgaria and I started in the Netherlands. So Europe and the US, we exchange a lot of knowledge. We're natural partners in this business of developing research, technology, science, whatever. China is the newcomer to the club, you know, when we're exchanging ideas and everything. And uh, we, we're we very excited to work with. I mean, it's uh, great potential and uh, wonderful young people working on many things there. And uh, we are yet to see how the whole, you know, how the whole long-term cooperation process is going to go. So that's, uh, we have to watch. In Europe, we have a big discussion about ethics and AI. Do you have in Silicon Valley the same discussion about ethics and AI? Because in Germany or in Europe, we think, oh, we are doing borders and we are doing regulation and this is not good. But I, in my opinion, I think there's a mind change also in Silicon Valley to do more ethics and to more regulation on AI. There is, of course, there is the uh, contradiction. Many uh, companies in AI, they you you want both to preserve privacy and and, and freedoms and and, and not uh, track people and all that. But then there are many products that would benefit from this type of tracking and invasion of privacy. But I would say that in particular California, which is uh, somewhat different from the rest of the United States, is very interested in uh, in actually in ethics and in uh, privacy, and there is a lot of work. I would say up to par with the uh, Northern Europe uh, standards in privacy protection, GDPR, and all that. So we have our own Californian equivalents of that. I'm not from exactly from this field, so it's difficult for me to, to judge the details and the subtleties, but I think it's comparable to, and it's the best in the world. In Germany or in Europe, there's a discussion on that GDPR is a border, is a, it's, a, it's a break for AI. Do you think this is a break? In a, in a pure technological way, yes, it, 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 it puts, some, uh, it puts some, some limitations of what you can do, you know, how, how much data you can collect and all this. Uh, so so in, in the technical sense, yes, but, but then keep in mind that AI is supposed to be designed to serve people in the way we want. And, and we share all those, like, especially between the states and Europe, those common values. You know, we, we want to, I mean, multiple generations to create a nice technology and to solve the problems of the planet and, and everything to be fine. So you cannot have like an AI system which kind of interferes with those values. So, so AI is in a way a model of the world, so of the whole world. And we should also model the values there and, and, all, and all that. So GDPR should be inside the AI model. Thank you very much. Thanks.